You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, and welcome back to the Oz Network for your favorite show, my favorite show, and Colin's brand new favorite show, RuPaul's Drag Race All Star Season Three, Episode Three, entitled "The Bitchler." And I think it's fitting that we're talking about this episode, you know, or the challenge that they did this season, this episode, because we're recording this and releasing this on the week the week of Valentine's Day. So very fitting, all these love connections. Ah. Um, I hope that I'll get an eggplant by the end of this episode. <laughs> um, as always, I'm Rossi, and I like my coffee like I like my men, incapable of loving me back. And my name is Colin, and I just got back from the Fleet Free Clinic, and we are good to go. <laughs> um, so this episode was all about improvisational acting, and I think it worked a lot better compared to last week's atrocious, eccentric Gemini, Stevie Nicks debacle. I, I feel like there were no major problems. What were your thoughts, Colin? Um... Well, I mean, again, I think every week I'm finding this show a little bit easier to follow. Um, It gets hard as soon as they start going in a costume, and we'll have like a 10-minute long makeup scene, and I'll know who the people are at the beginning, and then as it progresses, I'm just getting more and more lost in who is talking there again. But, I mean, the challenges here, I think they all worked, and I've kind of been questioning, you know, why they have their, uh, I guess, funny improv challenge first, and then they do just a costume one and then a lip-sync one, but... I thought that all of them were, were kind of entertaining this time, and I'm, I'm starting to come around on the show a little bit. It, it helps that we had, you know, an unreal tie-in here, which is probably my favorite show on TV right now. Next to the Olympics, obviously. Next to the Olympics, yeah. Um, so obviously we just briefly talk about some of the stuff at the beginning after, you know, um, Thorgy left and drew a nice little picture for... <laughs> a dong? <laughs> Or as, as BB was saying, you know, a picture, <laughs> a picture <laughs> and just couldn't get the words out, um, which obviously initiated the large feud between Kennedy and Milk, which will obviously reach its boiling point at the end or not really the boiling point, but it'll cli- it'll result at the end of the episode. Uh, what were your kind of what did you think of Thorgy's message? <laughs> I mean, again, I haven't seen this show. I kind of was under the impression this is like the message that everybody would leave. So I guess this is a little bit unusual. These people are nicer than I gave them credit for. Uh, I would have thought there had been giant dongs on pretty much every farewell message on every season. Yeah, most of them are usually like tame. Like They don't all say suck it on it? No, most of them are like, it was fun. I remember um, they're not really that memorable what's written on there sometimes. They, like one of the only one of the ones that's standing out was Ben de la Creme when uh, eliminated in season six wrote a really really long message like that was just to annoy the person that eliminated them because they have to clean up the message when like the person who you lip sync against will have to like erase the message so <laughs> it was just really in spite but yeah I guess it's I guess Thorgy was really really upset about the whole Stevie Nicks and you know kind of actually getting eliminated so I think that I don't know I thought it was funny but obviously not everyone was amused and we had I think you're being a little bit too sensitive if you're taking that personally I mean it's not like it's the worst thing that's been said on the air they're like oh because it's in writing and it's on a mirror it's totally different 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wasn't bothered. Like, I thought it was funny, but then some people were just like over it or whatever. I think it was fair. Like, Shangela was like, yeah, I don't really care. Like, that was fine. And wasn't like, the message was directed at Shangela, too? Yeah. So I thought, I thought that that was like an appropriate kind of response. Like, yeah, I'm not mad. Or she was mad, so... I, don't, I think but it, this okay. is just a guy thing. I mean, guys will write stupid messages like that just to be funny. And the other guy's like, oh, you got me there. I mean, I can remember going into uh, somebody's house. And this is like uh, two guys I knew as a teenager. And it was like 10 years later and it was their parents' house. And then being in the basement and there was a whiteboard that still had, you know, uh, this is what whoever likes to ride. And it was a picture of balls with a penis on it. And the parents <laughs> had just kept it up there for 10 years. You know, that's, I mean, guys <laughs> always have messages like that. Even if, you're, even if you're a drag queen, you still have messages like that. Okay, I did not expect that story out of the day. <laughs> um, but the whole main, the whole reason that we're bringing this up is because it enabled this conflict between Milk and Kennedy, <laughs> Milk saying, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't have eliminated Thorgy. I would have eliminated you. And it's like, the, the, uh, you're right there. Like, you know. I think we talked about this when we did the first episode, like see the the snatch game one way back when. But it was like in Survivor, you never get someone being like, you know, I wouldn't have voted for them. I would have voted for you. Like, yeah. it's so crazy to think that, like, you know, someone's right there, and you're like, yeah, I would have gotten rid of you. So who was it later on? Because this is during the endless makeup scene that I got lost. Who was it later on that told Milk? Oh, I actually think you should have been in the bottom. This episode? Yeah. Or yeah, when they were all putting on their makeup before the last challenge. Uh, Milk was going over. Oh, I would have thought these people at the bottom, and whoever was sitting there said, oh, "Well, I thought the last you episode or this episode, this I'm one here." I'm, I don't, I can't Somebody remember that. It. Let's just claim it's the same one. You know, I, some people said it like the first episode with that fashion thing, and then some people said it this episode with the or the second episode with the performance. So, I everyone. More or less. I don't know the specific example this time. But obviously we will see payoff of Milk's comment being like, I would have eliminated you and seeing what happens as a result. Yeah. Um, but we get introduced. The task is the Mitchler, a bachelor parody. What were your thoughts on the thought that it could be an unscripted improv scene? How would how do you think that worked in contrast to last very script the last challenge which is super scripted? I mean, I thought this one was better. I, I like it when they can have comedy and improv. And, you know, I already made the comparison before about the, the TV show, the Canadian show, The Kids in the Hall. And, you know, this is what it reminds me of. And I also just think The Bachelor is one of the perfect shows to parody. I mean, I'm not a fan of The Bachelor. Um, Jamie watches it every single season, including The Canadian Bachelor and Bachelorette and all those other shows. And usually I'll catch like a few minutes of it here and there while she's watching it. And But I, I find the idea of parodies of The Bachelor to be so funny because it is just such a mockable show. I mean, we talked last week about how Mariah Carey, that's like the perfect one that you can make fun of, which, you know, there was also a weird comment at the beginning of this episode where I think it was Milk that was defending Thorgy and saying, well, Stevie Nicks was hard to perform because it's not as modern as Mariah. I'm like, Mariah hasn't had a hit in like a decade. I mean, I don't know if I consider her modern, but yeah, there are those people like Mariah Carey that's easy to mock. And there, there's so many things you could do to make fun of The Bachelor. And what I thought made this so much better was that you had a performer working with them that was equally good at improv. And I didn't, I didn't really expect, uh, what's his name, Jeffrey uh, uh, Chapman, um, Jeffrey Bauer Chapman. I, I like him on Unreal, but I mean, he's not the best character on that show, and he's not the funniest character on that show. 
you know, he has his moments. But, I mean, he's so good at the improv here. There were times where I was laughing at him more than the performers. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on who you were dealing with. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I wasn't expecting, because obviously you wouldn't, maybe or may have not known, but Jeffrey was, he was on the panel last season, season nine. I wouldn't have known so that. We have, yeah, so we're familiar with, you know, him being on the panel and stuff, but we had no, like... All he did was sit on, like, like he pretty much did the Constance role mm-hmm. that season, just, like, sat on the panel, gave the comments, and that was it. No no real involvement in the episode. But it was so, it was, I thought it was really nice to see him kind of involved in the episode, and I thought that it it worked really well. I think he was really, you know, qualified, air quotes, for the role. Like, I thought it worked really well to have him kind of be a part of the the set, the script, not script, you know, the, the show. And it didn't Ugh. drag either. I mean, there were some, there were some bad performances in there, but the bad ones were almost like hypnotically bad. And I think that's the one thing I actually enjoyed about this episode is that it's possible to have bad performance actually make it funnier because of how awkward. And this just, you know, shows how good Jeffrey Bauer Chapman was too. So he kept playing up on these things. And this, those are some of the moments where he was getting the big laughs, you know, at some of these very awkward moments that just didn't really make any sense in the context of what these characters are supposed to be. Yeah, he also had the timing down. Like there's a specific timing you need for sort of improv comedy. You need to have a pause. You need to have those weights. You need to know what to say. Yeah. The perfect, and I think that he had that. The perfect example being when, you know, RuPaul is sitting there, eyeing him up and he's like uh the host is checking me out and he's like he pauses for like a long time and he goes do i have something on my face <laughs> it's just like goes and like when some some of the people would say some like a quick comment he'd be like he would add on to it in such a simple way like i, th- I remember bb saying like i have a special flower and he's like oh can i sniff it sometime <laughs> just like simple things like that that are just like oh quick but like it works so well for the scene mm-hmm. um and so each of the queens get their own uh, trait, persona, character, identity. We have BB the Virgin, Pendula Creme the Cougar, Trixie the Fake One, Milk the Stalker, Aja the Needy One, Kennedy the Party Girl, and Chi Chi and Shangela the Polyamorous Duo. <laughs> You gotta, I mean, I mean, that's a tough one to pull off, too. I mean, it's, it's no wonder that, uh, um, who was it? Was it Kennedy that ended up in the bottom? I mean, what do you do with that? I think, yeah, it was definitely hard, but I think that you can, I think the problem was, is that, like, you had Chi Chi paired up with Shangela, who is, like, comedy, like, Shangela won a comedy, uh, stand up comedy performance in season three. So I think it's hard to be put up there, but mm-hmm. at the same time, Shangela was giving a lot of like, you know, pitching a lot of balls and yeah. Chi was just swinging and missing. The other thing that I think would have been a struggle is that, yeah, they had their own individual characters, I guess, but they were performing one act together, whereas everybody else, they kind of had personalities that were completely uh, opposite from the other ones. So here, I mean, yeah, they could develop their own personalities, but then they had to kind of perform the thing together too, which I think just takes away a lot of the creativity that you might have been able to use. Fair. I don't know. I think that there was definitely room to grow. Like, I don't think that it was doomed. Like, I don't think anyone who got that role was doomed because Shangela was declared safe. Shangela wasn't in the bottom as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we saw um, other people's performances that were quite worse than what Shangela had to do. Um, 
What were your th- other other than that one? Were there any performance titles or characters that you thought were like, "Ooh, that's going to be a really good one," or that one's going to be, "Ooh, that's rough." I mean, the Virgin I thought would have been like a home run. That's that seems like such an easy thing to perform, and then doing it as kind of like this, you know, African uh, immigrant Virgin just didn't make any sense, especially because she kind of looked like an old lady. So I expected more out of that one. Uh, the the one that I think, you know, on paper would have easily been the most fun would have been the stalker. And that's the other one that just completely flopped. Like that, you, you could say all you want. Yeah. Some people kind of got dealt, you know, uh, a difficult hand, you know, because how do you do a polyamorous couple together? But then other people who had really great characters to start with did nothing with it or just went the wrong direction. Yes. If you don't, if you don't know what needy means, <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you don't have a dictionary on set, you may be in trouble. Um, but I, I thought that there was no, I think maybe some, the only one that might have stood out was like, you know, Ben de la Creme is older, so maybe a little more suited to do someone like the Cougar and, you know, Trixie who has a very, you know, fake Barbie aesthetic to get the fake one. I think maybe that would be the only things that like stood out like, oh, that's a little similar to who they are. But on the whole, I thought that everyone's. I don't think there was one that was clearly at a disadvantage. Maybe the polyamorous one, but nothing that was severely, you know, different. No, there's no, there was no Stevie Nicks in this yeah. group. Yeah. There was no, and then there was no real, like, Mariah role because it was all in the hands of themselves. They, they had no script to lean on. Maybe except, hey, you're going to do this, like, walk in and then you're going to have a date. Like, that's the, the extent of what they had to do. Um, so I guess we'll go through the performances now and we'll go in the major clumps. So we'll do the duos, but include their kind of single entrances. So the first duo we had was Bibi and Ben de la Creme, the princess and the cougar. Uh, I thought that Bibi did a pretty good job that I love the rose petals thing. We're just like continuously dropping rose petals everywhere and, and Jeffrey's like okay you don't have to do that <laughs> stop but I, th- I thought that was probably one of the best things that you know BB had going for her and obviously Ben's kind of stole a lot of the thunder in their double date with the being insatiable and uh, and all that what, what what did you think of these two I didn't get BB at all this it, like I said it just came across like a really polite old lady and I think there's so much more you could have done with the whole virgin thing. Um, but I mean, Ben again, hit the ball out of the park. Yeah. I don't think that the, the look of the cougar looked enough like a cougar to me, but I mean, the performance was hilarious and just little things like, um, uh, he's the one that used the banana as a prop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that was probably the hardest I laughed in this whole episode. It wasn't when he started doing the banana. I'm like, that's just kind of gross. And, you know, he kind of played up on that. But it was later on when he put it back in his mouth and just turns to Jeffrey and he goes, you remember I ate this one before? <laughs> it's just like a throwaway line. that was so funny. Um, but I mean, out of those two, I think Ben was definitely the, the funny one. And it's the little subtle things that he did. Like as soon as he got there and he picked up the drinks, he took one half uh, half empty drink and dumped it in the other one to top his off. <laughs> I think there were, um, you know, Constance says this during the judging panel to someone, I don't remember exactly who, but it's like, there's layers. And I think that that was a part of, you know, Dela's performance with the, you know, there's the drinking and then there's the, like an older woman looking for a younger guy kind of thing. And then there was the, the like, almost like 
you know, taking care of, like being a mother yeah. kind of thing with the like, here's a pre-mashed banana, please eat this. And the like, the like comment she made at the beginning is like, I'm, they don't, my friends call me bedtime beady because I like to tuck a big boy in and just like stuff like that. I was, and I thought it was so funny when Ben came out, like of coming out of the limo, like fully exposed and everything. <laughs> I, I missed like, that until they showed the replay of it. It was so, I was just like, what is going on? And and I didn't, you know, I didn't come in thinking like, oh, that person's going to do really well. Like, or, you know, that person's going to do really poorly. I was just kind of neutral. I didn't think too much about it, but I was like, oh my God, kind of blown out of the way by how funny some of Ben's lines were. And I loved the line. This was not to Jeffrey, but about if he's looking for a warm breast to put his head against these aren't right because they don't feel temperature. And st- like, there's just so many lines that Ben had. Like Ben was a quote machine this episode. Uh, next we have Trixie as the fake one and Milk as the stalker. I, th- I love Trixie. I thought Trixie oh, was yeah. so good. And if it wasn't for Milk, I think would have been in the top three or top two rather I just thought there were so many funny lines. I think Trixie gave me one of the funniest moments when they were walking out to start their date. And she's like, stop, you're so funny. Stop, stop. <laughs> and then turns around, like, and is like deadpan. And then all of a sudden turns around and is just like completely happy. I was just like, I lost it. I thought that was too funny. And then like, it helps like when, you know, Michelle is there like laughing too. And I just thought that was the best part. And then Milks was a train wreck. Yeah, I mean that was it. Oh, it, it just got annoying after a while. But with Trixie, I think Trixie's probably my favorite character because she, she he she looks so bizarre all the time and is basically playing like this hideous looking drag queen, like something out of your nightmares. Um, but it is the little brilliant things on the beginning. A drag queen on Elm Street. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I mean, I, I think the strongest stuff Trixie had. This is the only reason I think. Uh, Trixie probably wasn't even more at the top as it. Uh, the early stuff during the introduction to Jeffrey was the best stuff. And then when they had the group date, it wasn't quite as funny. But another line that just cracked me up was uh, where you know, he's sitting there on the phone uh, talking, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's not even that good looking. I got to go. And he just hangs up the phone. It's like, hi, how you doing? <laughs> I loved the comment. It was like, you have that sexy Denzel, like Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey. Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, what? He doesn't look like either of them, but like, I'll just go with it. And then there was the re, I love the reoccurring joke of not knowing his name. Yeah. Gerald. Like, bye, Jerry. Bye. Oh, sorry. Ha ha, Josh. It's just like, I thought that was a nice touch, like throughout the whole thing. But one thing that really turned me off was that I thought that milk was so bad that it was uncomfortable to watch. I don't know. You said you liked the bad performances, but I was just so uncomfortable about this whole thing. This one and the stalker, I think it's an example of how one went too far. And I think the stalker was more over the top. Who played the stalker again? Milk. Okay. Milk was the stalker. No, uh, the needy girl. Who is the needy girl? Oh, Aja. Aja. Okay. So I thought that, uh, the, the stalker was, uh, like so over the top, but not quite annoying. Uh, whereas I thought that the needy girl, Aja, that's the one that I was like, oh, this one's too much for me. I, like, I can't watch this. So, I mean, it kind of gives you an idea where I would go on the end of this episode. But uh, 
I mean, I, I thought the stalker was kind of annoying and, and too over the top. It was more for me just frustration of thinking there's so many other things you could have done with this. Like, you could be that girl where every single time somebody else is talking, it was like, hi, can I come up and see you for five minutes? And then, you know, just sort of bawling and just sort of turning away from the camera and crying as opposed to, you know, always just sobbing outright. There's there's a lot more potential there. I think the one of the things that really turned me off to Milk as the stalker was the the need to, like, scream all the yeah. time. Like, I, I didn't, like... There's like a stalker, like creepy, like weird, psychotic thing, like that you can do through just, you know, the way you say something, or just like your your visual, your like facial expressions. But then there was like points where like Milk was telling Trixie to shut up just so like she could scream. I was yeah. just like that. That was like I thought that was like the probably the worst thing. Like like that was just didn't make sense to even the character of a psycho. Mm. And I it didn't say con- yeah. psycho, it said stalker too, you know? Yeah, and what Constance comments during the judging where it was just like, you know, you can just be totally normal. Yeah. Like, this is okay. Like, you're okay. You're totally okay. Like, you have nothing wrong with you. You're just totally obsessed with everything this person does, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that would have, like, changed it. Like, especially for the date. Like, group date. Like, you can't, like... Anyway. I just thought it was messy. Completely. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then next we have Aja as the needy, whiny, bratty girl or whatever she was doing, and Kennedy the party girl, uh, slash trailer trash girl. <laughs> I thought this was crazy. I did not expect Kennedy to do this, especially after last week's performance as Janet Jackson. Did you watch Kennedy this time, or were you still thinking of Janet Jackson? No, I was able to put Janet out of my mind for a while. Um, I will say with this, though, I don't think it screamed Party Girl at all. But I don't think it mattered, because the performance was so over-the-top and so funny that it didn't matter if you got that Party Girl character or not. I mean, I would have thought that Ben, as the, the cougar, played more of a Party Girl than Kennedy did here, but... Uh, the little things like the really over the top boobs and stuff like that, um, <laughs> the the crooked teeth, uh, like you said, it was a, kind of like a, a trailer trash thing, and then all the little one liners, which I almost felt like you know it, it saved it later on when there are a lot of the one liners on the group date, which we'll get to in a second. Um, it, it's also just the fact that Kennedy came out there and it made Jeffrey crack up right away, and we've already said he he's a great you know improv performer. Uh, I mean, it shows in this that he didn't really lose it at any point. And here, he he just couldn't keep a straight face the entire time she came out of the car. Yeah, I thought it was, like, you could see, you know, as soon as Kennedy was getting out, like, covering the mouth and being, like, trying to add those teeth. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, and the comment, like, oh, I hope he's cute and stuff. And I just, like, and then the reveal of the teeth was just so perfect. <sighs> I didn't expect this kind of party girl, like, direct, like, twist on the thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what made it really special. It wasn't just like a, a, a sorority girl, you know, like high school sorority, or not, not high school sorority, like college sorority girl, like ready to party. I, th- I thought it was like a unique take on it, which made it a little bit more memorable. And I, what I loved about it was the continuous reveals, like the pulling out the flask out of the bra and the shot glasses and then the the... I don't know, like the vodka bottle out of the, like the pan or skirt or whatever, like just the continuous kind of reveals of stuff. And then 
the the last line that Kennedy had, which was, "I'm a man." Oh yeah, and losing the wig. <laughs> He's just taking the wig off and and then rolling on the floor, being like, "I'm a man." <laughs> you know, I, I do have one note here on uh, Needy Girl um, Aja that was really funny, but again, it was how Jeffrey played off of it, and this is where I was saying like some of the bad performances he really made up for. When uh, she was going, oh, nobody's ever loved me like you love me. He goes, wow, that's really sad. And he actually said it like with so much sympathy that it was just it really cracked me up. I, Aja's performance for me was like, it was bad. Like I always see like she missed the mark completely. Like she didn't understand what she was meant to do. But I thought it was at least watchable for me. Like I couldn't stomach milks. Uh, milk, stomach, anyway. Um, <laughs> but at least I could stand like watching Aja's I thought I thought it was like messy I thought it was like not like obviously not what she was meant to portray but I thought there was just there's something watchable about it I did like the comment in the confessional about this is woofy woof I miss like with the little dog oh she had a dog like as a prop yeah like a little dog prop with her the whole time I thought it was funny like and one of the confessionals went woof with the dog anyway there wasn't much to say. I thought that outside of needing a dictionary, uh, this wasn't something to write home about. But I didn't think that it necessarily needed to be in the bottom three, you know? Like, I feel like I could have been happy with just the bottom two without Aja, or, or am I just too protective of Aja? I mean, I... I think the other problem I had, well, well, we'll talk about it more on the end, was just the reaction to the criticism, which... It just kind of shows, like, yeah, maybe he doesn't really get it, you know? I thought that, you know, Aja could have been safe if it was a final or final two, a bottom two. Uh, anyway, the last duo, the only duo we had, uh, was Chi-Chi and Shangela as the uh, polyamorous <laughs> duo. Um, I didn't think that this was that great, like... As a, even as like separate people, I just didn't think there was anything super special except it's just weird. It felt like I was watching a cult documentary instead of a like a bachelor parody. I don't know what your impression of it was. I mean, the mama thing just was so bizarre. It did make no sense at all. Uh, there was one funny line here. I can't remember who said it where they were kind of like, you know, going down into the tub and coming up and saying, I haven't, uh, See anything that big and black since I took you to SeaWorld? <laughs> so there was at least one good line here. Who was it that said that one? I think that was Shangela. Cause... Uh, it, it didn't work, though. It was just neither of them really seemed to know. what they, they seemed to be making their characters up on the spot. And this whole mama thing just it made no sense at all. I'm like, are they supposed to be like incestuous or are they a polyamorous couple? Like, I, I, I didn't understand it. I did. There was a funny line that I think probably the best line was uh, when Shangela was going in the water too came back up and was like, I didn't know Bush was in office <laughs> or something to that effect. I thought that was good. But on the whole, I thought this was pretty weak. Not from like, oh, it's going to be weak because they're together and they're supposed to be doing it together. I just thought that no one really had anything that like blew me away. Like there was no, I'm a man quote or like, Hey, I already ate this banana like stuff that was really kind of selling it for me. Yeah. I, like, I thought that, that Shangela was definitely safe. Like, there were jokes. There were things that were, like, oh, funny. Enough to be safe, but not not enough to, you know, wow me. And obviously, Chi-Chi's mo- Chi-Chi and Mama. Like, what? That was weird. Yeah. And I think the other thing here to consider is that, uh, I mean, 
they with their characters you know the whole polyamorous thing really got lost at some point i think they kind of had loose mentions of it here and there but it wasn't like they were selling that as their characters the whole time and i as much as i said i think that would have been a difficult thing to do i mean you probably could have done more with it than the whole incestuous thing which really didn't make any sense it would have been probably funnier if they were like supposed to be like a mother and daughter trying to both go for the same you know uh guy on the bachelor like then instead of this um weird thing i I don't know what it was weird and i don't get so polyamorous i wish we got that british accent that the chi chi was trying to go for (laughs) instead of whatever we got and then Um, also i mean the whole you want to have my baby thing um they threw on on the end of the deep voice i thought that was kind of just ripping off what kennedy had already done well i have like a funny one last line yeah but in like the male voice too oh yeah yeah i don't know i I think definitely like i think the two poorest ones are obviously like kind of deserving because they didn't really go and they didn't go anywhere with their parts Mm. it was just all one note like flat um and i know you're not i don't know there's not much i didn't have much to comment on about after they got out of the challenge and did their um what's the we're about to go onto the runway do you have any comments about the the endless makeup scene as i wrote in my notes yeah because um, I didn't have much to say other than the only thing that was notable was that Milk has still not spoken to Kennedy after well, saying, hey, I would have gotten rid of you. Yeah, I, I think one thing that did work in this episode was that they told the story well. Because I don't think I would have predicted Milk to be going home at the beginning of this episode or based on the last episode. And again, I've never seen – I've seen approximately three episodes of this show or I guess four now all the way through. But You've seen four episodes with Milk. With Milk. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I wouldn't have expected it up until now, but I think they did such a good job, even though some of these scenes were way too long, they did such a good job of selling why Milk's going home, and just like I was saying with uh, with Audra just not getting it, I think the other thing of just, just Milk's arrogance. And, delusion. And, yeah, delusional um, about, oh, the judges really want me here and stuff like that, which I think that came up later on, but this scene here, it ran for about five minutes too long, but at least it set up you the say story every line. scene ran for too long. Well, I mean, the show, the show itself is 15 minutes longer than it used to be, isn't it? So I guess technically it does run five minutes too long on every scene. I mean, I, I understood the reason why Milk went home, and I think the storyline was great. I think uh, it, told, it definitely told it for us. I think, obviously, they, them, like, standing there obviously don't see it as well. Obviously, a lot of them were shocked about what was happening, but I think none of us were shocked, you know. I think that they did tell it well enough that we weren't shocked, which didn't bother me as much as last episode. You know, I think that, the, you know, the Thorgy elimination was like, oh, the writing was on the wall as soon as she started talking. And then this time it was a little bit at least more, you know, at least I was more interested in why, mm-hmm. like, the outcome is what it was. Um. And I know you didn't pay too much attention to it, but I at least want to quickly talk about the runway. Well, the you, you sent me these pictures so I can remember it now. Yeah. Because um, I think that at least this was, at least had to be a lot more interesting to watch than some of the others. Yeah. Because I think they had a little bit more fun with it. Again, I don't understand the rules. Like, what is this one that they have to have a wig underneath a wig? Yeah, so it's inspired by one of the RuPaul Queens from the past who did a surprise wig reveal with during one of the lip sync performances 
And so that's kind of become their their thing on the show is that they did the two wigs. So that's a, a nod to them. And so that was the challenge, essentially. Just at least have one wig under your other wig. Some at least had two, and some had outfit changes as well. Um, so I'll just quickly go through. We had Ben de la Creme with the... the Playing the judge, the, basically, right? Yeah, as Michelle, but had the long three-foot wig and then the skirt that surprised them. I thought that was creative. I know you like creativity. Imagine this is just face-off with wigs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as you keep referencing. Um, or do you want her? I'll just talk about the ones that I liked, and you can talk about the ones that you liked or you noted. All right. Sounds good. So I liked Bendela Krems with the wig skirt. I thought that was creative. I loved Aja's anime Sailor Moon look. Um, and I loved, I think I really, I liked, I liked uh, Trixie's like Dennis the Menace look as well. I thought that was creative kind of take. And then Chi Chi, I think looked really nice, but, and I hated Chandela's that corn the thing. Popcorn. Yeah. I thought that was so stupid. Anyway, I mean, it kind of just looked like poison Ivy from Batman. Okay, but I've barely even never seen Batman. <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. I just, I just don't like the corn. You don't like the corn? <laughs> I don't like any of it. I thought it was weird. I, I'll agree with you. The Ben thing was clever, just in coming out and parodying the judge. I think that's going to get a good response from the judge. And then the whole flip skirt thing—that was a cool little trick. Um, and again, what I, what I really have come to appreciate about these challenges, which are a little bit more boring than the improv stuff we get is the Mystery Science Theater 3000 comments from the judges. So uh, I like when Ben flipped the skirt over and it was the wig skirt. It's like, somebody forgot to shave. And then uh, Aja, I mean, that's basically what saved Aja this week was that whole manga anime uh, style costume thing, uh, which I know Jamie would have loved that because she's so into all those anime Just show Jamie. books. And yeah, I, I would have, but <laughs> she had no interest in watching this week. I even said it's an unreal tie-in. She didn't want to watch it. Um, no. But I guarantee she's watching the Bachelor's Winter Olympics, <laughs> which is on the PVR right now. Um, yeah, I, that's basically safe because I think Aja's m- misunderstanding of the whole needy character, I think, was the worst thing in here. Um, I'm, I'm just looking through these here, seeing which ones really stood out. Kennedy's really just was nothing. I mean, you take off a big wig and you have a small wig underneath and you don't really change your outfit at all. That's not that impressive. Um the the Trixie thing was just just the fact again, like I said, of doing the world's ugliest drag queen, where she comes out in that bad seventies muumu, which evolves into like a bad seventies dress and haircut. Uh, I mean that that I thought was hilarious. I mean, Trixie's basically the star of the show, in my opinion. Because so, you remember Trixie the most out of everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's fair. I, I well, you don't you, do you like the corn, or is that just me who didn't like the corn? Um. I mean, I didn't really have an opinion on it one way or the other. I thought it was kind of clever, but I, I mean, I'm, it is a re- it's like, but it's a little self-referential just to fill you in. The first time they had to do a challenge was they had to do an outfit based on like window curtains, and so they had to make an outfit off of that. And Chandler just hung corn from her. <laughs> oh, her so this wrist. is a throwback to a past season. Yeah, and that that's the whole reason that like. You know, she's like, corn always follows me because, like, she did that stupid corn thing. The the wig and, change was kind of funny because it kind of looks like, you know, a plant evolving into seaweed. So I appreciate it on a level of, you know, being a Poison Ivy fan from Batman. 
all right, this poison ivy aesthetic, I'll, 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 I'll pass it, but not as a corn look. Yeah, the corn doesn't make sense. Poison ivy does not need corn. I mean, that poison ivy could probably grow corn like out of a wrist or something like that, but we don't need to see it. It's not a great power. <laughs> We're just rewriting the Batman lore here. <laughs> the world's worst superpower. I produce corn out of my wrist. <laughs> and popcorn in my hair. Um, so after this, we have, you know, blah, 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 Ben and Kennedy top two. And the bottom three of Shangela, not Shangela, uh, Milk, uh, Chi-Chi, and Aja. Then they have their discussions. What were your thoughts on Kennedy's, you know, I'm not going to talk to anyone. I'm good. It didn't really matter this week. I, if anything, that's probably what saved Kennedy because it was too much talking is what hurt Milk. But I, I kind of was just over all the crying this week. Like there was way too much crying and freakouts. And Kennedy had, was it Kennedy who had that first big freakout? About what? What, like when they first landed in the bottom? Or not not the bottom. I'm thinking of Chi-Chi. Um, no, oh, I'm, conf- yeah. I'm confusing characters here. Uh, back Aja, Aja and Milk are the same person. Or- Chi-Chi and Kennedy are the same person. At least you know who Trixie is. I know who Trixie is. Yeah, Trixie's the one out of my nightmares. But, I mean, of all these scenes here, the only thing I really took out of it was, uh, you know, just Milk digging his grave over and over and over again, which, again, told a good story. So even though this scene ran about five minutes too long, <laughs> I thought that uh, I-, I understood the character better and... I actually didn't mind Milk in past episodes from what I remember. So I, I think if if I'm okay with Milk leaving after this and they did their job. I thought it was a uh, the real, at least if you didn't know by now, you knew when Milk was talking to Ben de la Creme about the, you know, why I should stay, the comment like, oh, the judges want the me judges to be want me, here. Yeah. The other people, queens here want me to be here. And I was like, that is so, like, like, no Survivor Knesset ever would be like, Jeff Probst needs me here. Yes. Like, I mean, unless you're Boston Rob, that's the only situation where I could see that. Like, like there's no... Never, like... If, if RuPaul and the judges wanted you here, you would have been in the safe. You wouldn't have been in the bottom three. But at the same time, do you think that if the judges had their choice in this, that they would have wanted... Uh, milk to go home based on because they talked about it should be based on past performance as well uh should it have been you know from the judge's point of view milk over chi chi like from their perspective you think they think chi chi should have gone do you think the judges were upset that they lost milk over chi chi or do you think they would have been much more willing to lose chi chi at this point i think they're more interested i don't think it matters too much because they're bringing somebody back Like, someone's probably going to come back. It's probably, at this point, you know, I I would put money on Morgan over the other two. But, um, you know, it's hard to say, like, what they prefer. I think that, you know, RuPaul as a host wants drama. So, you know, the elimination of milk for no, like, for some sort of, not petty, but, like, you know, external major factor was, like, dramatic. You know, you see my little picture of, like, Trixie's reaction. Like, I think that, you know, that kind of sells drama. Like, ooh, what? That was unexpected. Yeah. Well, it makes for good TV. But Yeah, I don't think there was any major, like, stake. Like, they're not ha- they don't have stocks on these people. But you would know better than I would. I mean, was Milk considered to be a front runner coming into the season? Oh, no. Over Chi-Chi, I, I, or? Chi-Chi had a lot more. Chi-Chi made it to the top four in the last, in her first season. Milk didn't even make Milk and Aja were the you know weakest coming in as they had made it the least 
they they were the pre-jury of the of the the crew. There's no jury, but um, like they were the weakest coming in in terms of they had made it the least far. Yeah. Um, and neither of them had won a challenge in their first time. So, you know, I would say Chi-Chi had at least a little bit more prowess, like because Chi-Chi's main storyline was that she had less money so she could spend less on, you know, the outfits and the hair, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I think, but had like, you know, dancing talent and performing ability is just not kind of highlight, not perfect, like not mm. t- totally fine tuned. So I would have, I would say Chi Chi has more potential, although it seems that none of these challenges are kind of suited to her skill set. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chi Chi's the bottom. Well, they said bottom three weeks in a row, but that wasn't really true last week. I mean, she was among like, the bottom ones, well, but, but not, yeah. not in the bottom per se. Yeah, exactly. But like then again, you know, I'll fill you in All Stars too. The the person who this challenge was based after was in the bottom almost every single episode, but then ended up making it all the way to the final four because people were just friends with that person, so ended up being safe. So it's really you know hit or it's really like kind of just like all up in the air about who gets saved, who gets eliminated, and who does what on per challenge. You know. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kennedy does say that it's based on everything, you know, the whole picture. And Kennedy could be like, you, you know, agree with the comments that um, Milk should have been in the bottom the last first two weeks or something. And just says, all right, now this is the time. Now I'm going to get rid of Milk. Aside from personal problems as well. But um, then we have the lip sync song, Lord's Greenlight. What did you think of this one? How did it compare to the first two? It was boring. I mean, I kind of like that they can have fun with the song, and I guess they both did a good job and that it was just kind of a very straight, I mean, no pun intended, it was a very straight performance. But I don't know. It's just I, I want to see them doing stuff that was funny in here. And like last week, you know, with the Pointer Sisters, I mean, that was a hilarious performance, and they couldn't really do anything with this one. So, I mean, I, I could just said it was a wash one way or the other as to who won this. Uh, I think Kennedy probably did do a little bit more, but Kennedy also played it way more straight, which isn't really the most interesting thing to do. I think, I mean, I mean, I personally think that Kennedy was, I think I was like, I watched this and I, before they announced it, I was like, all right, Kennedy won and Milk's coming home. <laughs> I mean, I kind of read that from this story, but also like in the performance, I think Kennedy like, you know, had a little bit of drama. You know, there was the outfit pull off and then the wig change, which I thought was a nice touch on the wigs challenge, you know? to reveal a wig on the thing as well. I think that was an added touch that won her over as well. Um, then we get milk elimination. No one shocked except everyone there. Um, were you sad to see milk go? Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind milk. I'm not really, because I still can't identify all can't these characters it. through, and I can identify them at certain points. And as soon as they go into costume, I'm like, oh, oh uh, which one is Chi-Chi? You know, which one is milk? Which one is Aja? Okay, milk was the one that was the dream of genie hair oh of course that's the one um no i mean i think i could identify milk in this episode but i don't think that i uh am attached to any of these characters i think the characters that i think are the most fun are probably ben and trixie at this point and everybody else is just sort of yeah i could take them or leave them um i did like that milk brought a little bit of a diva attitude to this uh, which made for this episode with the whole judges want to be me to be here thing. 
Uh, and also, you know, oh, I would have sent you home, which really set up like a great story this week. But I mean, somebody's going to come back, which I hate when reality shows do that. Like, I absolutely despise people coming back in reality shows. I think because this is a show where the people eliminate them, I mean, I think it's fair that the judges could have a say to bring somebody back. I don't know if, how that's going to work. But, I mean, Milk would be the obvious choice to bring back just for drama after this. Or, or maybe, I guess, along the lines of last week's penis gate. Yeah, I think Milk was definitely giving us sort of, you know, villain villain aesthetic. Or, I, don't know, I don't know how to word that, but a very villainous kind of style. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, as much as you can be, this is not competition suited to, you know, villains. Like, it's harder to do well, I feel like, you know survivor and you know those other kind of intense competitions are suited to villains and stuff but anyway i think that there was a lot of drama from milk and i think it would be interesting if milk was to return how that would sort of settle with kennedy and some of the others if the macarena dancing handmaid's tale (laughs) druids bring her back yeah we'll see um it's all up in the air we still don't know how this is going to be handled you know is it going to be the exact same as all stars 2 or not. We'll, well see. I was going to ask you, like, how many episodes are there typically in an all-star season? Because I think they have less people in these, don't they? Yeah. Um, I can look up how many there were for all-stars, too. But they're definitely shorter. It looks like nine episodes. Well, that includes a reunion show, so I guess eight episodes. Give me two seconds. Um, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine episodes from All-Stars 2. And at what point did they bring somebody back? So, well, okay, so they brought back... In the fifth episode was when they brought people back. So the first four... Okay, well, it's a little complicated. In the first four episodes, one person was eliminated each. However, All-Stars 2 had an additional quit as well. So five people were gone before people were going to be brought back. Not actually brought back, but had the chance to return in episode five. And so... And then eventually two of them were bought back because one of them quit. So it was, it was a little messy, but... Um, but we could expect something similar this time, like halfway through the season. Probably, yeah, probably episode five. Probably the one after this next episode. And do the judges make the call on who's coming back? Well, it's a they built it into a challenge. So they did, last season they did like a, cha- like a comedy challenge, like a stand-up comedy in pairs. So, you know, they had someone that was still in the competition against some, with someone that was eliminated. And so the best, you know, pair would win. The best two pairs would win. And then the two people that were eliminated would do a lip sync. And then RuPaul would say, all right, you're safe or you're in. But because someone had quit, RuPaul brought them both back in. And then they got the chance to eliminate someone. Now, were you a little bit surprised that BB was safe this time? Because I thought this whole episode was setting up BB to go home. I mean, not the whole episode, but at least the challenge stuff. Like, you had everybody else talking about oh, BB isn't really getting this. And I mean, struggling to even come up with a character at the beginning. Like, I, the, one of the first notes I made was that BB's, how, how is BB safe? Or I guess it was one of the later notes I wrote because I thought BB was going home. And then when they said, BB, you're safe, I'm like, BB, really? I don't know. I thought that they had a lot of moments where they're like, oh, yeah, like with the whole kind of talking about the whole princess thing. <laughs> I thought maybe. But I, I really felt that the milk storyline was the stronger one out of the two. And I feel like if there was like a bottom four, which is not saying that it can't happen, but I think BB would have definitely been in that as well. I think it was just, I think there was enough 
that Jeffrey had to play off of from BB that it was like, okay, you're safe-ish. Like, it wasn't great, but it was it's passable. Do you have a pick on who's going to win at this point? Because I have no way of picking. I don't know what they're really looking for in these shows or not, but... I don't know. I It's, it's so different because, like, I mean... Actually, no, it's not that different. Because All-Stars 2 had three different winners um, in the first three challenges. And then, you know, the fourth episode was when, like, someone had had their second win. So we're kind of at the same pace as last season. Um, I don't really know who to think. Ben's doing really well, but I feel like, you know, if, you know, say Ben was to land in the bottom two, you know, I could see someone being like, well, you've been winning, so I'm going to get rid of you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's no real front runner I could see. You know, I think Shangela has been doing, you know, most consistent second to Ben. So maybe Shangela could do well. I, I really don't have a, a say in who's standing out. I think, it, you know, I think it's a pretty, I think everyone's been pretty consistent all around, like how they're doing. So. And can we talk about the big disappointment of this episode is that we barely got to see Constance Zimmer, which was the thing I was most excited about in this episode. Yeah, it's a little rough when you're just on the judging panel. But she had a funny line in her, uh, the balloon animal sequence. Yeah, with the lips and lips. <laughs> <laughs> lips and lips. I, I wish we got more, but I think well, she had a lot of comments on the panel. Uh, considering this is the Unreal crossover, and they're really trying to use this to promote Unreal, that starts again in, like, what, two weeks? Um, I would have thought that they would have used her similar to the way they used Jeffrey, where, you know, she could have been backstage, because she obviously saw the... Um, the uh the, the footage from the challenge earlier on but why not have her with that other judge backstage watching because that's kind of her role on the show is like the the producer of the show yeah maybe they're maybe they were just trying to eliminate the amount of people that were in part of the show challenge itself i don't know look uh, can we agree on the fact that this is maybe the best actress on tv right now i, mean, I don't know i mean can I? she has to be Unreal is amazing, and and I never would... Okay, when Unreal came on, I don't think I knew anything about it. I remember seeing commercials for it a year ago, and I'm like, oh, that looks interesting, but I'm like, oh, it's on Lifetime. I'm not going to watch Lifetime. And then they had a free preview of Lifetime back in June, and I recorded it because Jamie liked The Bachelor. I'm like, oh, this show's supposed to be based on The Bachelor. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, I'm more into it than Jamie is. I mean, she's like the best character on television. Like, use her a little bit more. Don't put her in this episode and disappoint me like this. Shame know, on you, Reaper. Hey, shame on Michelle for taking the the, the um, taking the Quinn the narrating, role. the editorial role. Yeah, um, I will say next episode is the long time, the long awaited snatch game episode, and I don't know anything about who's doing what, but I'm sure we're going to get a lot of excitement from that. Um, are you excited for snatch game? We watched that's what started this whole thing. Yeah, when we did our random episode rewatch, you're the one who suggested watching a Snatch Game episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. I had never seen the show before, and I remember my review of that said, you know, I probably would have been this show, but that Snatch Game is worth watching. Um, so, I mean, this is the one that I think I'm... Now that Constance Zimmer is done, I mean, this is the thing I'm most looking forward to on the show. And <laughs> and I love the match game, too. I mean, Alec Baldwin, uh, he's, he's maybe the best game show host in, like, decades. Uh, best since Canadian legend Alex Trebek, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, this it's going to be a hilarious episode. We hope. Hopefully no confusion with who who's playing what role. Yeah, where you know. six people come out looking like Nicki Minaj. Yeah, or or Deliver, or, or, or as Kim Kardashian, or 
you know, maybe they're all going to do a Judge Judy tribute. This now, episode. do they get to choose, or is it decided for them? No, they, it's all choice. They get to choose completely. Okay, good. So they come in prepared to, you know, I'm going to do this person, or, you know, they have a few alternates as well. They're Somebody's like, well, got to go out there and be Stevie Nicks just to prove that it could be done. I don't know if they're ready to do that. <laughs> they're not going to self-destruct. That's it? Oh, we got to rank the episode, the rate, rank, whatever you want to call it. Um, what are you going to do, Colin? Are you going to ban it, buy it, rent it? Ugh, you know. I'm still finding my criteria on how to judge this show because um, I'm not a diehard fan of it, and I'm still figuring out what the show oh, is. I've been watching the show since day one. I have all RuPaul's you just albums. Told me. Yeah. Um, I, I perform as a drag queen myself in uh, my spare time. Casper mm-hmm. uh, has Trixie Mattel dolls in his room. <laughs> no. <laughs> But, uh, hey, if they made a Trixie Mattel doll, like, that would be a good collectible. They do have, um, they recently made three, um, Funko Pop figures. And there's one of RuPaul, one of the last All-Star winner, and, and one of Trixie. Oh, see, then Trixie is a star. Um, now you know what to buy Casper for his birthday, and he'll probably right, end up screaming. Thanks, thanks for the advice. But I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how to judge the show. And I, I think it's never boring. Um, and this week was entertaining even when it shouldn't have been some of the bad stuff. But I think what really worked about this episode compared to last week is that the story was told well and the format just seemed to work. Um, and I was also a little bit disappointed we didn't get more interaction with the judges, you know, when we went back to the milk crying scenes and Chi Chi crying and all that. But that's just disappointment that they could have used Constance Zimmer more. But uh, overall, I, I consider this a, a pretty decent rent it. If. They had Constance Zimmer lip sync against um, mashed potatoes. Would would it have been a buy? It would have been a buy instantly. Now you know what to do next time, RuPaul. Yeah, I'm gonna send in some fan mail about what <laughs> they need to do to improve the All Star episodes. Um, I think I rented last episode. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not. I believe so. I'm yeah. sure you don't remember, but and I'm pretty sure I did. I buy the first one. Um, let me see. I have a spreadsheet. I'm not sure if it's updated. You did buy the first one. I remember that. Um, Is there anything I rented last one? Yeah, I don't have it on here, but I'm pretty sure you rented it. I've been yeah. the last one. I really like this episode. I think I'm going to have to buy it. Like, even though the story was predictable and stuff, I think I really enjoyed the the storytelling. And I, lo- I really loved the challenge. I thought that that was really improved over the last week's atrocious you know handed you know wins mm-hmm. like i think that this was fair and fun and i and i love to see you know improv i love seeing improv comedy so <laughs> i think that this was just great you know if they had colin mockery on the panel it would have yes! been, been sold my favorite show of all time whose line is it I, anyway i think you would have bought that then if Colin Mockery was on the panel. Yeah, get Colin Mockery, any of the Who's Line guys, or Constance Zimmer uh, lip-syncing against mashed potatoes, then that makes it a buy. <laughs> Alright, that's it for this week of uh, Drag Race All-Stars. We'll be back in a few days, or a week, or who, in a month, who knows how long, to talk about Snatch Game and all the pitfalls and traumas with that. But as always, stay tuned to new episodes of Amazing Race. Uh, Almost end. over. Yeah. Um, Nip Tuck lost third watch, fifth watch. <laughs> uh, 
American Gangster. I, I don't know what else is covered here. Um, movies? No, Olympics. Off the podium. Off the podium. Sister show. Listen to it. Hilarious. We did live commentary of the Women's Moguls Finals. Maybe one of the greatest episodes we've ever recorded on any of our shows. Listen to it. Uh, hey, second to this. Along with the Snatch Game Part 1. Oh, yes, thank you. I think we should have Olympians compete in the Snatch Game. That would be... <laughs> Really Ryan Lochte, Lindsey Vaughn. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, anyway, stay tuned for all things. Subscribe, download, favorite five-star ratings everywhere. And that's it for us. Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, I'm Rossi, and you got that really sexy Denzel, like Gilford Godfrey kind of look to you. And my name is Colin, and want to have my baby? Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.